This is the Data Career Podcast, where we talk about everything that you need to know to have an amazing data career. I'm your host, Avery, and I couldn't be more excited that you are here. In this episode, we had Dustin Scheimick, who is the Director of Strategy and Analytics at the Master Law Company, on to the pod, and he gave some awesome insights on what it takes and the journey and the path to being an analytics leader. Um, he also talked about how to be an entrepreneur within your company, give 100, 110% of your effort all the time so that you can make valuable impacts via projects and get seen by management. We also touched on what it takes to break into data science and the different tools available. And of course, we talked about a little bit about the NBA and his Milwaukee Bucks who were playing in game six that night and ended up winning the NBA championship. So a little fun uh, towards the end. Uh, Dustin's a really good person to know inside of the analytics community. So if you haven't connect with, connected with them, go ahead and connect with them. Um, I'll go ahead and throw his uh, LinkedIn at the bottom of the page in the show notes so you can connect with them. Um, and yeah, hope you guys enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Data Career Podcast. Here's your host, Avery Smith. Hey, everyone. It's Tuesday, and I got a great guest with me today. We got Dustin Scheimick. Dustin, how you doing? Hey, doing well, Avery. How are you? Good, good. So I'm really excited to have Dustin. He's a great contributor to the data community on LinkedIn. Um, and he, I'll go ahead and introduce him. He's uh, an analytics professional who loves to identify how data can be used in business, right? Because data alone for data's sake is stupid. You got you to solve business problems. He's the director of strategy and analytics at the Master Lock Company and was a data analyst at the, the most famous motorcycle company in the world, Harley Davidson. Right here in Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, he has an undergrad in both economics and political science and an MBA from University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Right. And and one last thing, Dustin, he is an avid Milwaukee Bucks fans who are playing tonight. Yeah, Fear the Deer, playing uh, tonight. In, you can see the Fear the Deer towel. That was from game four of the finals right behind me here. So th- There you go, man. They're playing tonight for game seven. I got my, uh, I got my, uh, my game seven towel from the Astros World Series. Oh, that's in, right. Yeah. In 2019. Uh, but I hope the outcome is better for you than it is for me, man. We, <laughs> but you yeah. said you still had a great experience, right? Oh, yeah. It was an awesome experience, but the Astros lost. Uh, I'll cheer for the Bucks tonight. And and Dustin's going to game set or game six. So hopefully he gets to see Bucks, an NBA Bucks championship. Six, Bucks in six. That's what we're hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thank yeah. you so much for joining, Dustin. Um, anyone else who is watching live on LinkedIn or YouTube, go ahead and say hello in the comments. We'll, we'll try to say hello back. Um, but those who are listening on the pod, we'll go ahead and get straight into it. So Dustin, first, let's talk about where you're currently at, sure. um, which is the Master Law Company. I don't know what they do exactly. What do they do? Yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate you asking that. And yes, I'm currently um, Director of Strategy and Analytics at the Master Law Company. Here, of course, today representing kind of my own perspective, um, not my company's perspective, um, just on, you know, kind of my path, sharing my path 
um, up to a leadership role in analytics. So super excited to be doing that. And actually, by the way, I have to show this. This is kind of dorky, but I do have my, oh, get on camera, party with my data. Party nice. with my mug. I always try to pull this out when we have LinkedIn Live events. Um, but uh, yeah, for sure. So um, currently um, leading kind of um, any of the growth orientated analytics projects that we have going um, at Masterlock. So really I'm responsible for ideating and maintaining um, an active um, list of roadmap items um, that kind of leverage data to grow our business. Um, so it's really a growth orientated role, uh, role very entrepreneurial type role. Um, and that's mixing my two favorite things. I, I love being an entrepreneur and using data. Um, I like sports too. Um, but uh, those two things, professionally, those are really it for me. Um, so I'm super, super fortunate um, to have the position um, that I do and in such an exciting time for the data world and analytics world. Um, as far as you asked first, what does Masterlock do? So um, we're headquartered here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in the USA. Um, 100 year old company, we're actually celebrating our 100th year anniversary wow. this year. Yeah, um, really exciting, a lot of cool stuff that we've got going on social media, um, you can give Masterlock a follow on social media um, in the community here as well. Uh, but super proud of that. Um, we are a manufacturer of security padlocks, um, safety padlocks, safety devices. Um, we own Sentry Safe as well. So if you have a safe in your home, may well be uh, Sentry. Um, so we did acquire Sentry uh, a few years back. Um, but a uh, big uh, player in the security, uh, mechanical security business, as well as now more recently to um, the electronic security business. So we also have a portfolio of electronic products, connected products, Bluetooth, et cetera. So um, pretty fun time um, to be at the, the company and fortunate to be at a company, um, especially a you know manufacturer that's really leveraging data for growth. Um, super exciting and, and definitely proud to be a part of it. Yeah, that's that's super cool. And obviously, you know, very important because everyone needs locks, right? They're on everyone's front doors. You need to lock, you know, vans and all sorts of things. So definitely doing big, important things in the world, keeping people safe and keeping things <laughs> safe. Right. I like yeah, it. Exactly. Hashtag for everything worth protecting and follow that on social media. Yeah. There, there you go. That, that yeah. makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and sweet. I want to get into a little bit what you talked about there of kind of your path to a, you know, this intersection between data and business leadership. Um, right. I, I did want to say hello. We got Sana watching. How you doing, Sana? Hope you're well. And Damn. Natish. What's good, Natish? Hope you guys are doing well. And hello to everyone else watching. But let's let's get into that there. Um, how, how does that happen? Because uh, a lot of the times where we think we're business intersects analytics, you get business analyst, right? But, right. but you're, you're kind of, you know, one step above that, maybe doing a little bit less of the technical work and doing more of like the big picture, you know, the strategy. Cause that, I mean, that's your title, right? It's director of strategy and analytics. Yeah, strategy is in there too. Yeah. 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 Which so how cool is it that we have strategy and analytics finding, you know, their ways into titles right now. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's that's very interesting. Um, I guess just broadly speaking, you know, not necessarily where you are, but but I guess how did you how did you get to where you are? And I guess what what does someone at your level kind of think about big picture wise versus that might be different from a business analyst? Yeah, no, those are great questions. And so to tackle the first one first in terms of kind of the path here, um, it's been about a ten year path 
um, in the analytics uh, field and started um, after I finished my MBA over here at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Um, I was fortunate enough to get kind of an entry level sales analyst position um, at a company in the area. And um, it was in a role where we're using a lot of Excel, um, you know, some other tools that are um, maybe going away a little bit currently. But um, I was really involved with um, so many different, just a broad spectrum of challenges working for a variety of different channels in that business and was just kind of thrown into the fire. And um, through doing so, was able to quickly learn that, um, you know, hey, I was kind of good at some of the stuff that I was doing. Um, and um, I was just, you know, it was a combination of being a little bit good at it and also lucky to, to find something that I was good at. And, um, you know, the, the number one thing that I would say that I did in that first role that I had was um, as I learned um, new skills and tools and things like that, I would think about um, how could I over deliver what I was creating? So if I was tasked with something or I was, you know, given a project, I would want to, if I knew I could do it and do it well, I would over deliver on it. You know, so if, if you know, we talk about going 110% or whatever, but, you know, if you're in an entry level role, I would say go and you know, you can do something really well, go to 150% or 200% and make it something that people will remember because you're going to add a ton of value in doing that. And um, you're also, people are going to remember that and it's going to put some eyes on, on what you did. And that can be kind of the starting point, that over delivery to start to work your way up. Um, so that was one thing that I did early on. But um, um, eventually I took, a, I did a lot of projects on the side. Um, you know, you and I both are kindred spirits and loving projects and being big believers in the value of projects. Um, and so I did, I took on projects on the side, you know, kind of through my own little business and my free time. Um, I also um, uh, moved on to a data analyst role in the product development area at Harley Davidson for a while, which was interesting to me because I had never been part of a product development group and, um, you know, worked from the perspective of an analyst within that group, um, learned a lot of things there that I was able to carry with me and wouldn't have otherwise had. But um, um, I loved working um, for Harley. It was very cool, very cool brand, um, iconic company. But, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to get a manager position um, at the end of my time there. And, um, from that point forward, you know, I really, I just continued to do things the same way I always did. I, I took an entrepreneurial mindset. I was always scanning for where there was opportunities and there's always a lot of opportunity with data. It's such, it's still, I think the field is in its infant stages and most companies are, I'd say 95% of companies haven't fully tapped into the value of their data. And so I was, I went into that new role constantly now with a little bit more leadership um, responsibility, you know, scanning for opportunities. And when I would find um, opportunities, I would just seize the heck out of them. And again, use that same model of over delivering, you know, get some attention on that and use it as a building block. And, um, you know, fortunately, I think it worked very well for me and it's worked um, very well for some of the organizations I've been a part of. Yeah. Wow. Okay. There's a, there's a lot of, um, interesting things there I, I want to unpack. Yep. Um, let's start, let's start, uh, with the, you know, your MBA. So did you, did you know you wanted to always be, you know, high level business, you know, leader type of thing? Or, or is that something that you discovered later or what, what makes, what drives you towards this, you know, this leadership or, or, you know, uh, yeah, leadership role? That's a great question. And so the answer is no, I, I, I didn't have um, that specific aspiration at all. You know, I would say that today I don't even have that same aspiration. I would say that um, I was always focused on in the moment and the role that I was in, you know, adding the most value I possibly could. And, um, you know, 
um, that was really me to a T was I would always be scanning for um, opportunities and um, meeting them with either the skills that I had or skills that I knew I could go out and get. And so I would focus more on um, over delivering one, you know, when given the opportunity, but two, when I saw an opportunity, not worrying about so much about the technical side of it, but doing whatever I could to meet that need, um, you know, using some of the tool, technical tools and skills that are out there. And so almost working backwards to meet the needs of the business using data. Um, and um, yeah, I love that. I love that aspect of things. I love problem solving. I love finding um, new opportunities and seizing them using data. It's just so ripe for it right now at so many places. And um, that's, that's really what it's all been about for me is I, I love to win using data. I like to find new opportunities, um, you know, to um, seize using data. And, um, you know, I kind of am fortunate that I do what I like to do. And I've just kind of, I've, I've risen up along with doing it. You know, it's just a, it's a combination of being a little bit lucky and good at something that I do. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. That, that was kind of my next question is, is what do you, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of even, you know, technical professionals careers, you know, they kind of maybe look like this, yeah. you know, but, but you've kind of had, you know, a little bit of a, a, you know, more steep, uh, approach in, uh, in your jobs and your roles. What do you, what do you attribute that to? You, you said luck and being at least a little good at something. It always helps. It always helps. Yeah. No, I've, I've been fortunate to kind of be in the right place in the right time. Um, at times in my career, um, you know, just getting into analytics, not being set out, you know, um, to go into it or even have any idea where it was going. I mean, 10 years ago, I had no idea um, that it would look anything like what it does today. And so there's absolutely some luck involved with that, you know. Um, but um, it's also, you know, along the way, the more projects I delivered, the more confidence I had um, that I could do this over and over again. And so I got a little more bold in terms of um, the opportunities I would identify and go after. Um, but I kept, you know, just kind of being right there in the moment with each of them and trying to um, over deliver on each of them um, and really meet whatever the needs, as cliche as that may be, of the business at the time. You know, that was my total focus was just to, to totally over deliver and, um, um, you know, meet a need, solve a problem, uh, move the business or organization forward in some way using data. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I just I love that. I love the intersection of those things. Yeah, I, I love that. Anyone who's who's watching right now, I think, you know, learn from Dustin here. He was he was focused at the job at hand and giving, you know, 110 percent and providing value to the business in the moment. And that helped him, you know, climb, climb the ladder of, you know, inside of a company or allowed him to switch to a different company. But being able to focus and like really provide value on the one project you have in your lap right there and then is, is important. Um, wh what about your jump from Harley Davidson uh, to the master law company? Was, was yeah. that like, was that like a jump that was like horizontal or was that like, did you jump up? Like when you switched companies? Um, yeah, no. So it was a, a vertical movement, you know, role wise between um, Harley to uh, master lock. And um, you know, it was um, very, much um, still five years ago, if you think about it, you know, and I mean, analytics is still on this growth trajectory upwards, you know, but we were a little lower on it, you know, the whole world was five years ago. And so yeah. um, things looked different at the time, um, you know, but I would say the same was true then as it is now is that, you know, the technical skills, you know, oftentimes I found that, um, you know, either I can learn them if I need to, to deliver a project or, 
you know, we can find some talent that does. But um, the biggest thing is, is really um, keeping your eyes open and listening for opportunities for projects that are going to move the business forward and value. Um, and I've got some tips on that I can share later on how to how to find those things and how to keep your ears open, where to keep your ears open for those things. But, um, you know, that and um, and then just um, using soft skills, you know, to kind of um, really care about um, the folks that you're delivering this work for. Um, that is so important. You know, these things are, are just as important, if not more than the technical stuff. Um, scanning for projects, scanning for stuff that's adding value and then really, really being intentional and care about the folks um, that you're delivering it to. Make sure that it really meets the need and, um, you know, over deliver in doing that. Yeah, for sure. Whenever whenever I do these interviews for the, for the Data Career Podcast, I'm always, you know, struck by it's not necessarily the technical skills that separate right. these awesome data professionals from good 100%. data professionals. 100%. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting because you'd think, Oh yeah, data professionals, technical skills, but the the thing that makes them very you know noticeable and separable is is these people skills, right? Yeah, definitely. I think people skills and just just taking the perspective of at least for me personally, you know, viewing your role as your own business, you know, and um, if you if your role was your own business, what decisions would you make? What things would you go after? You know, when you think that way and. I recognize you're not going to be able to think that way in all of the things that you're doing. There's always going to be responsibilities that you have at the company that you just have to do. But uh, when you start thinking that way, um, you know, and then you work backwards, you use technical skills to meet the needs that you see or seize the opportunities that you find through thinking that way, that's when you're really going to create enormous value. And even if it's just 20% of your time that you're doing um, to do those things, that's going to probably add 80% of the value that you create as an individual contributor in the organization that you're in. And so, um, you know, I love the 80-20 rule, um, Avery, but um, that's, I think that it's so true. It's, it's if you block time, and even if you're not asked to do it, you know, but you add some value through an opportunity that you identify, you know, no one's going to, very rarely is anyone going to fault you for that. And usually it's probably in most cases going to open up the door for you to do more of those kinds of things because people are going to see that you're capable of doing it. And, oh yeah, you know, wow, this person could do that. That gives me these other ideas that I think they could do. And then they're going to have a little bit more creative latitude. And then that builds over time, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, let's, let's talk more about that. I did want to, I did want to say hello to Harpreet who was watching. Yes. Just, hey, thank you. Hey, good to see you. Yeah. Good to see you Harpreet. Um, I, I, that is a very excellent point that you brought up. And, um, one thing that's interesting, I was reading your your LinkedIn about section, right? Um, and one thing it says is, you know, it says something like Dustin is has like an entrepreneurial mindset and data professional. I don't know. I'm, I'm butchering it. I'm sorry. Those but are the two things you need to know. Entrepreneurial <laughs> mindset, data professional. That is pretty much me. Yeah. But but that's such a good point. I mean, obviously you're high up, you know, you're a director, so you do have a little bit more say than maybe someone who's just like an individual contributor or like a, you know, an entry level programmer or, or data analyst or something like that. But I think having an, in, an entrepreneurial mindset, like you said, if my role was my own business, how would I be, how would I think about it? How would I go about acting? I think that's a good exercise to do. Um, and I think in today's society, we hype up entrepreneurs more than we should. And 
or, or maybe we celebrate them, you know, adequately, but we don't celebrate what I, what I've come to, you know, learn is, is I call them intrapreneurs as in they are inside of a company making a difference at the company acting as if an entrepreneur would. And, and we don't hype those up enough. There's people, you know, and in, you know, big companies and small companies, they're not the CEO. They're not on the board. They're just individual people that are giving 110%, like you said, scanning for opportunities where they can provide value and then providing that value. And they're, they're shaping the course of the company, but I don't think they get as much recognition as they should. No, I totally, I totally agree with you. And um, just to piggyback off of the last thing you said, not getting the recognition that they should. I think that you know there, are, um, there are cases where maybe folks that deliver a massive amount of value kind of fly under the radar, um, and I, that always hurts me to see that because um, you know, and I, I try uh, to help as I can to promote those individuals. But um, you know, I think that um, that's something I would offer some encouragement on to folks listening. You know, if you know that you're developing you're um, creating a ton of value for um, your business, your organization, for whatever it is you're working on, you know, um, it's definitely, it's not a bad thing to share that, you know, of course we want to be respectful and polite and how we do that, but um, um, you don't have to hide that, you know, um, people, I would say in my career, 99% of the time are very receptive um, when I've just taken a few minutes to highlight something that, you know, I've done or a team has done or whatever. Um, because, you know, the thing is, is we're hired to find these opportunities as analysts. We're, we're hired to use our skills in a way that, um, you know, in many cases, our, our peers and other functions or senior leaders aren't, aren't able um, to. It's just not, that's not what they do, you know? And so, um, you know, it's, I always say, you know, oftentimes, hey, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up, you know? Um, and I think, um, I think more folks should feel empowered to do that, quite frankly. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Um, to, to be honest and to get a little personal, that's actually one of the reasons why I left Exxon Mobil um, is just because I didn't feel like they were valuing valuing my contributions as much as they should. To be honest, they were valuing my contrib- the things I made, but not attributing it back to me. And I was very frustrated with it. Um, and I'm a very... Uh, I don't know if you know, like the, the four color code human thing of like red, yellow, blue, white. I don't know it very well, but whatever one is the peacemaker, that's me. Like I, I avoid confrontation. I just don't, I just rather like harm myself than have confrontation, but you bring up a good point. It's like, if you are providing value and you feel like you're making a difference, like you should be able, you should be able to feel like you can at least approach, you know, your manager and be like, Hey, like, I feel like I'm contributing and I'm not getting recognized, like, at least bring it up, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, too, even I think it's okay to even ask, you know, as, as appropriate, of course, you know, depending on what meetings you're in, if there's something that you've done that's relevant to the context of that meeting or forum or whatever, you know, I would say just have the courage to ask for a few minutes on the agenda to share something that you've done that you think is of value, you know, and um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And, um, and the cool thing is, is when you bring it up in front of a group of people, you know, no longer can one person say, you know, Oh, that doesn't have merit. So I'm not going to, you know, promote that within the organization. Now that it's once it's out to a group of people, it's out, you know? And so, um, you know, I think, I think oftentimes it's hard for folks to promote themselves or their work a little bit 
um, especially as it's more than one or two people gathered together. But, um, you know, I would say as much as you can, you know, even if you're not a great speaker, it doesn't matter. If you're doing something that's adding value, you know, ask for time on an agenda, just even if it's five minutes, you know, or, or if you can't, if, if, if you actually can't do that, then I would say write it, you know, respond um, to a group of people on an email chain just to offer some tidbits on something you did. Hey, I think that this would um, add some value or be of interest to this group, you know, for this reason or whatever. And um, just call it right out. And um, I think 99% of the time people will be very receptive to that. Yeah, that's that's awesome advice. I appreciate that. Um, let's let's go back to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, let's say I'm a data analyst. Yeah. Um, let's say I'm working for... Uh, I don't know, some company. All right. Let's, let's just make it like a mid-sized company. Mm-hmm. I'm a data analyst. Um, and uh, I just like, I'm, I'm just doing my job. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I'm told, but I don't feel like I'm making a difference. Um, I don't feel like I'm, you know, getting promoted as much as I would like, or maybe I'm not getting the pay bumps that I would like. Um, what, what would you suggest to that data analyst? Well, I mean, I think one thing that you can do is uh, actually a couple. I mean, I think, um, first of all, regardless of whether you're in that situation or not, um, I think that being actively part of uh, the analytics community in your area, or if there isn't one in your area, there's a lot online, you know, being part of that is always a great thing for your own development as well as for your own networking, you know, and so if you are, um, by chance at an organization that doesn't value what you're doing. Um, I think fortunately there's fewer and fewer organizations that are not valuing folks with the skill sets in this field. Um, but, um, you know, then, Hey, then, you know, you're immersed in a, in a community of other professionals that do value it. And there's probably a spectrum of folks there from, you know, analyst roles up to leadership roles. And I know in some cases, even in our Milwaukee community at some of the groups that I go to, you know, there's executives that attend just to, to learn more about things. So I think, you know, just, being immersed in a community um, is uh, very empowering because um, you know that um, you are valued and that, you know, if for some reason um, an organization isn't valuing you, you know, that there's other places that would. And I I think that that's, um, I think that that actually can only help your quality of work that you're doing because you're going to approach it with a greater level of confidence. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. I, I like the community aspect. Definitely underplayed and there are some really awesome communities um that that's one of the reasons why i hated chemical engineering is there was just zero community um and i just online in person it was just bad it's just always better to to do stuff together and network in that way so i I like that um okay and uh going back to what you said about like kind of having the wandering eye like scanning the situation and seeing how you could how could you evaluate? You said you had some tips for that. What what tips do you have for, yeah. you know, identifying potential opportunities that could bring value and then acting on those opportunities? Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, thanks for bringing that up again. Um, so number one thing um, that I would say, and I, I especially do this if I'm new to an organization, is um, I will constantly be listening for common themes to emerge in um you know, conversations that I'm either directly in when I'm on with folks um, or that I overhear or that I hear in meetings, you know, I think over time, after a few months, sometimes even within a few weeks, um, you're going to start to hear some of the same questions asked 
or some of the same same you know things talked about was maybe some ambiguity around it um you know or maybe some things will just jump out at you that wow you know this is here this is not here and it should be you know and then once you identify what those things are oh by the way always write them down so as soon as you start to hear a, a you know theme of a certain question popping up all the time or you know you um, see an opportunity for something even if it's even if it's in your sleep you see an opportunity for something you know um, pick up a piece of paper or hopefully you have a journal um, of ideas and, and write it down you know and then um, over time what you're going to find is you're going to have a lot of ideas and that's when I think you use that time that you've blocked you know that I, I called it 20 percent of time whatever it is use time that you've blocked to work just on those things that add value you know and um, do this, you know, same thing I was talking about, work backwards, use your technical skills to meet those needs, you know, um, and and uh, just have the courage to, to try to implement a solution around it and then share what you're doing. Um, that's, um, I recognize maybe it uh, won't work in every situation, but um, those are the kinds that I, things that I did, especially earlier on as an analyst. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that makes sense. And I like what you say, you know, set out 20% of your time to, to work on these types of problems. I mean, that might be hard for some people because mm-hmm. their company doesn't encourage it necessarily, right. mm-hmm. but, yeah. but may, maybe it's 10%, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah. At, yeah. One thing that Exxon did well, in theory, was you had four hours a week for quote unquote innovation time. Oh, that's awesome. Well, <laughs> it, it is in theory. In um, theory. <laughs> but to be honest, if you took the four hours, you, you were kind of like, like not smiled upon. Oh, really? Okay. I mean, that's how I felt like it was like, it, it wasn't really, it was, it was there to say it was there, but it wasn't actually really in practice. And most people didn't take it. I took it. And <laughs> I, anyways, um, but I think, I think that is a good practice for a company to have, especially a company that wants to grow right. and wants to improve. Right. Because yep. um, I love this quote from Steve jobs and I'm going to butcher it, but the the gist of it is, we hire like the world's best and smartest people right. not to tell them what to do. We right. hire them so they tell us what to do. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. that, that takes a lot of humility for like someone like yourself, like a director, you know, yeah. like I'm in charge to like listen to people though, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think it's, it's totally true, that quote. I mean, I think that, um, you know, too, there's, I like the, the Henry Ford quote of, you know, folks were to ask me, or if I were to ask folks what they wanted, you know, they would tell me a faster horse, you know? And so I think that that's where that plays into what we're talking about here and that, you know, maybe you're, you're working on that faster horse, delivering that faster horse. Cause that's what people are asking for 90% of the time. But then what if you spend five or 10% of your time delivering the, the model T, you know? Um, and um, I like the analogy because you don't have to have a perfect solution. You know, right now we've got a heck of a lot more um, of, you know, than a Model T driving around out on our streets, right? But um, we didn't start that way, nor did we have to. And so um, I think when you dedicate some time to, to just get started with something that's going to add value, whether other people see it or understand it or not, um, and you have the courage to, to do some work around that, invest a little bit of time in there, and then share with folks what you're doing, that's when things are going to, um, that's when stuff's going to happen. You know, that's when incremental growth is going to happen, both for you as well as your organization. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think every every like meaningful part of my career that has occurred was was probably because of something that I did that I wasn't necessarily asked to do. That's where like the true exactly. growth 
an expansion comes. 80-20 rule there. Yeah. 80-20 rule. Yeah, you're definitely right. You're getting yeah. a lot of the career benefit by, you know, 10% of your side hustle at work, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And and some folks may be in a position where, you know, they're being asked to be creative and to create new stuff. And, and then, wow, that's an awesome opportunity. And, um, you know, for yeah, those, never leave that. <laughs> yeah, no, right. It's it's, in my opinion, the best thing, you know, someone could possibly be doing. But uh, I know not everyone shares that um, perspective. But um, but no, I think, um, you know, going to going to meetings to conversations to and when i say meetings it could be one on one it could be one with a large group of people but being very intentional about listening you know and um listening to what the themes are that are emerging you know and then thinking about what ideas you could implement using your technical skills um to help solve for some of the issues you're hearing about the questions that can't be answered stuff like that um you know write that stuff down and then use that time if it's 10% or 100% of your time you know, create some solutions around that stuff. And don't worry so much about the tech first, you know, worry about the, the, um, what the challenge is and, and at least conceptually coming up with a solution to it that um, you suspect, you know, tech could be used to meet it. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Um, guys, one thing I really like about Dustin, and he said it a couple of times, he says, you need to listen, right? And that's, um, that's a hard skill for people like me because I like to blab, I like to talk. Um, but my, <laughs> but, but no, I think you're a great listener too. Um, I've interacted with Dustin a couple of times and he's always, he's always a great listener. And, and, you know, he said this earlier, he writes down what he hears, right? He, he not only listens, but he takes the time to write it down and ponder it and, and think about it and actually like, okay, how does, how does what this person said apply to my life? And I think that's just such a valuable skill to have in any profession, but especially in data, just because, you know, you, people, a lot of times you don't even have to come up with ideas. You just have to like figure out how to have the ideas that you hear from other people come to fruition. Right. Or how, how do you put like a little spin on their idea and actually, and actually make it work. So model Dustin's example. He's a good listener. All right. That's, that's my advice for everyone listening. Well, you're, you're certainly very kind. I appreciate that. But I, I agree that listening is something we should all work on. You know, so it, it actually is something that I've had to be pretty intentional about working on myself. Um, I'm fortunate to work for a company that um, is, you know, very supportive of um, developing yourself around the seven habits of highly effective people. If you've heard that, it's kind of part of our methodology. And, um, you know, habit five, if you're familiar with it, you know, or not, um, check it out. Um, that seek first to um, understand that to be understood, you know, and that, that habit has really resonated with me. It's an area that I, I could improve personally in and have tried to be intentional about improving in. And I think, um, you know, when you're intentional about um, seeking first to understand and, and to listen, you know, good things are going to happen for you. Um, if you, if you never think about that. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a great point. And I, I am familiar. I mean, I, I don't have them memorized, but I, uh, yeah, Stephen Covey, really, really interesting uh, author for sure. To yeah, for sure. To learn more about. Yeah. Um, all okay. Stuff, all of that stuff, all of his stuff, a lot of these, you know, these leadership, um, you know, philosophies and that a lot of it applies very well to analytics and leadership and analytics. You know, um, it's not that management theory, you know, and methodologies and that is a totally different world. There's a major intersection. Um, with, with analytics. Yeah. What, what, what else does it take to be a, a leader of an analytics team? What other skills do you think are, are useful? 
Oh, I mean, I think it's, um, you know, I think just uh, uh, remembering that people are people, you know, and, um, you know, you have to, um, I actually, I was, it was funny. I was just um, telling someone that with the NBA finals going on, I was going back and reading uh, a book by Phil Jackson, 11 rings, you know, the guy that was the coach of the bulls and and Lakers and that. And um, one thing that I loved about um, Phil's approach was that um, he talks about this in the book is, um, you know, he, he was so focused on each individual player on his team um, and, you know, would pour himself into each person and would share books with them that he thought would be relevant just to them individually. Not, it's not like he was giving the same book out to the entire team. He was picking books specific to individual players and stuff. And I think, interesting. yeah, when you have that level of care, you know, I was talking earlier about having to care about the individuals that you're delivering projects to, but when you have that level of care about your peers or your um, team, you know, if you're, if you're managing folks, you know, um, um, I've, been a manager of people for a relatively short period of time, you know, so I'm, I'm not claiming to have all the answers here, but, um, but to answer your question directly, I mean, I think the most important person, the most important thing is to care about um, the individuals, you know, and to um, really be intentional about um, developing them based upon who they, you know, uniquely are. Um, and that's when, you know, I think you're going to bring the best work out of them. I guess for Phil, it brought, you know, 11 rings out of the, people that he managed, you know, so I don't know. That's good enough for me, I guess. It worked out for him. I, I yeah. guess one way or another. Yeah. Um, okay. And I guess what, what should leaders, you know, maybe not even in analytics, let's just, let's take, you know, the, a manager at Staples or, or maybe just like some sort of manager at a mis, mid-sized company. What should they know about analytics? Because, you know, obviously it's, it's a big thing going on in the world right now, but like, what what should they you know be telling their employees? What should they be on the lookout for? Like, if I'm just a general leader of a team or of a group in the world, what should I know about analytics according to Dustin? Yeah, I mean that's a big question, um, and I think it does you know change depending on the situation or industry that you're in. But I think for in sure. general, yeah, I think in general, you know, it's having an open mindedness about it. You know, know that um, there's a lot of momentum behind this, and it's for good reason. Um, it's for good reason. There's a lot of, you know, you and I know it. a lot of the folks listening are going to know this, but not everybody knows this. And that's something as leaders that we have to, to work to change. But, um, you know, there's a lot of potential with it for good. Uh, there's a lot of potential with it for good. And so, um, you know, I would say just incrementally get a little bit more exposure to it. Um, actually, I, I promise you, I did not plan on this, but um, there is a gentleman, Chris um, Tauber out there that puts out a magazine data for execs. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, for a while, he was offering free subscriptions. I don't know if he is anymore or not, but um, he'd be a good guy to follow. But, you know, whether it's that, whether it's following a hashtag related to analytics on social media, whether it's, you know, reading a couple articles every day, setting your Google alerts to read something about if you're, you know, if you run a car dealership, you know, um, car dealership dashboards or car dealership analytics, you know, and set an alert on that and reading what people are writing about it, you know, or um, Google searching for um, dashboards for car dealerships or something like that, you know, just incrementally expose yourself to it, um, you know, during whatever time it is that you have that you can actually focus um, on that kind of stuff, you know, that might be a little bit different than what you've looked at before. Just um, expose yourself to it. And I think you'd be surprised, you know, I, I find that folks, um, you know, once they just start to get a little bit of a taste of what the capabilities are, um, with analytics and things start to click like, oh, wow, this really worked well for someone that does something similar to me um, or that, gosh, that was a great idea. Geez, I didn't know you could even do that. Or, wow, now I get what that tool does. 
it only takes a little spark, you know, and then um, and then folks can be off to the races with it as long as they're intentional about dedicating time to it. But I, I mean, I think, you know, there's use cases in just about every, you know, function or industry. Uh, but I think it starts with a little bit of exposure and just an open mindedness. You know, don't go in um, ever with the attitude of um, and I think the same is true for anything. But, of you know, hey, I, I got this covered and I don't need to know this. You know, I think that's that's the only probably one thing that's going to hold you back from not um, ever benefiting from it or, or seizing any of the opportunities from it. I like that. So if you're if you're a manager and you're watching or you're listening and, you're, you know, you're not so sure about data, have an open mind to start. And maybe get some exposure, you know, whether that's just Google or whether that's, you know, reading on Medium or whether that's listening to the Data Career Podcast. Any of those ways are good. How could I possibly forget, Avery? Yes. Um, (laughs) I'm just joking. Um, Okay, sweet. I liked that. Um, I definitely think that's those are valid, valid points. Just open mind, a little bit of exposure. That's all you can ask for. Yeah. Um, we did have a question here. What you can do too, right? I mean, even a, a man, you know, a manager that has no experience in analytics. I mean, heck, you could, you know, find a concept, a dashboard concept you like, and it, I mean, it could be anything. It doesn't mean a dashboard concept, but you know, um, and watch a few YouTube videos, you know, on um, you know how it was made, and you know, be surprised. Maybe you might be able to learn the skills yourself to do something quickly. At least put in a. You know, going back to the Henry Ford example to put a Model T solution in place. You know, it doesn't have to be a Ferrari out of the gate. You can add value to the Model T, you know. Yeah, and that gets you excited. Absolutely. Love it. Um, We did have a question here from- More resources around it too. It might get you some more resources. True, that's a good point. Yeah. Did have a question here from Jason. Yeah, sure, Jason. What are y'all's thoughts on people saying data science careers are being saturated in entry-level roles? Yeah. So if I understand the question correctly, you know, um, I think you're kind of asking that all data science positions are entry level. Um, You know, I I think here's the thing. The field is evolving very rapidly. And so I think maybe by default, you know, there's a lot of entry level roles created. But I do think that in the last few months, um, especially coming out of the pandemic, you know, that um, there is a increased appetite for, hey, how are we going to use all this data and what's the strategy going to be behind it and that. And I think that naturally more and more leadership positions will be created because you ha- you're going to have to have some leadership around it. Um, and you're going to have to have folks leading it that have um, know enough, don't have to be technical experts, but know enough about what's technically possible, um, you know, to kind of meet the broader needs of the organization or recommend um, you know, changes to the broader, uh, meet the broader needs of the organization. So I just think naturally um, more leadership roles will develop. You know, you, you might have to be a little bit of patient, a little patient with it, but I am starting to see more and more of those um, leadership roles put out there. And I expect that very soon we're going to have a lot more of them. What, well, it, your perspective on it, Avery. No, I, no, I agree with you. Um, yeah. I, and I also, I also misread the question at first. You, you are right that data science careers are being saturated in entry-level roles. So it's not that they're, that data science is saturated. It's that right. there's not, there's not a whole lot of senior roles or leadership roles. And um, first off, I had never heard that before. So that's, that's news to me if it, if it is happening, but I, I'm of the belief that um, data roles and data careers are only getting a bigger, bigger, bigger. Agreed. No, I don't. I don't think it's saturated. Some people think data science is saturated. I don't think we're even close. 
Because like you said, I think some companies are just getting started, you know? Absolutely. Um, and so, for instance, if we take, let's, I mean, let's take, let's take Snow Data Science. Let's take my company, for instance, right? Um, hopefully someday I'll have full-time people helping me, you know? Um, and so I'll need, maybe I'll hire two people. And then at that point, you know, since I've hired two people, maybe I hired two more. So now I have four people. And now all of a sudden that's a lot of people to manage. So I need, I need some, a senior data scientist or a lead, like a data science manager or something like that. So I think naturally as you get more data positions, that's going to create more, you know, vacancies for leadership. Cause you just, just the nature of having so many people, you're going to need more senior people. And I think a lot of those jobs are actually going to go to pretty young people because like, Think about it. If, if like, let's say, you know, 10 years ago, this started taking off, right? Like, or let's just even say now, let's just say like this data career company, I don't know, let's take McDonald's. I know they have data scientists, but let's just take McDonald's. They're like, oh, this data science thing seems useful. Let's start. They hire, you know, let's say two data scientists, you know, maybe it really, really takes off. It starts providing value for the business five years down the road they're going to be like, oh, we have 20 data scientists now, right? And we need a manager. Who's the manager? Well, it's probably the first person they hired who's only been you know, with the company two years. That person could be pretty young. you know. So I think more data roles are, are coming in the future. I don't think we're at saturation. Um, and I think, I think they're, you know, they're important to have someone that is in leadership that understands analytics. That's a, that's a good role to be in. Yeah, I know for sure. And I, I think that, um, you know, I've read some speculation that, you know, more folks that have more of that uh, or have come up through kind of more of an analytics background through a business or organization, you know, may start to uh, make their way into, you know, C-suites, you know, executive level positions, um, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it's starting to happen, but, um, you know, I think it'll happen um, more frequently. Um, but, um, um, you know, I think another a recommendation that I would make there is there's a um, excellent podcast out there um, called uh, the data chief. Um, I don't know if you listen to it, um, Avery, but um, um, it's, uh, it's, it's all about kind of um, these data leadership topics and kind of keeping an eye on where the, the puck is going. You know, if you kind of want to skate towards um, where the puck is going from a data leadership perspective, that's um, one that I, listen to um, pretty regularly and um, some good topics, good guests there. So uh, for folks that are really thinking about getting into leadership, um, I suspect that's where the question came from there. You know, that's one that I would um, check out. Um, but don't don't forget about the Data Career Podcast either. You really, you need, you have to, you have to keep all of them in your arsenal here. Yeah, so, you have to listen to every episode of the Data Career Podcast. That's right, absolutely. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to get fired. That's what that's what your boss told me. <laughs> just kidding. We, we uh, I say that one just because it's it's very focused on on kind of the data yeah. and transformational change in that. Yeah, that yeah, obvious. That's very interesting. I'll have to check it out. We don't obviously in Data Career Podcast touch too much on leadership. You're you're our first our first data leadership guest topic. I would oh, say well, pressure so. pressure is on. Yeah. Hey, well that that you're doing great so far. I think. <laughs> um. We did, we did have another question here we'll take, yeah, sure. if you don't mind, yeah. from, from Gulnar. Gulnar yeah. says, I feel lost sometimes in the process of learning. I wonder if it is because my background is unrelated. I'm coming from a biology background and still guessing that people from related backgrounds do not lose during the learning process. How should I handle it? 
Yeah. So uh, if you're coming from another background, but you want to kind of um, get into analytics or use analytics to, you know, kind of move the needle in whatever function it is that you're working in at a company, you know, I definitely folks will, will have feedback like that to me um, from other functions and other companies I've worked in. And I would say, you know, try to pick one thing to start out with, you know, try to, whether it's a, a skill or a tool, you know, or, or hopefully, I mean, we've encouraged you enough to maybe think about or ideate a project that you could use data for, or maybe you find that through searching for, you know, what are examples that other folks have um, done from a project standpoint in the function or field that you're in. But um, start with one thing, crawl, walk, run with it, you know, just see, sometimes you'd be surprised what you can do by dedicating a few hours a week to, um, you know, trying to bring that project to life on your own, you know, um, learn a couple skills to create kind of that um, basic proof of concept around it. And, um, you know, go from there. I think um, it does start with a small step. You know, it's you're not going to um, have 10 years worth of analytics experience overnight if you came from a different field, but you still can make an impact with it in your current role. That's the cool thing about um, all of the resources that are out there on LinkedIn, YouTube. You know, there, I mean, it, there's tons of places to find information and education around how to implement project concepts and analytics, regardless of what field you're in. And so, um, you know, just dedicate a little bit of time to it and um, get some experience with it and share. Sh don't be shy about sharing what you're doing either. You know, I mean, sometimes folks have to know that you're interested in something uh, before maybe they'll give you a manager or something will give you more time to work on it or to, you know, do some other professional development activity with it, you know, but just start with a small step is my um, advice. And, and then the same thing is um, Avery's question about the manager of a business. You know, what would you say to them? I would say the same thing to you, you know, just stay immersed with what's going on with analytics, you know, dedicate a few minutes a week to it and, and set some alerts for, you know, content that's appearing um, from, you know, folks that are doing stuff in your field with analytics. Be surprised probably at what, what ideas you come up with and get logged in the journal. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. I agree with everything you said. Um, Gulnar, I don't think biology is a bad background to get into data science at all. It's just like Dustin said, figuring out how you can combine your domain knowledge with data to to combine the two and, and become a, a superhero in your industry. Um, in biology, definitely check out genomics, you know, DNA sequencing. There's a ton of there's a ton of data science in genomics. Um, and that could be a really good entry place for you. I actually think sometimes having a non-related background is an advantage when breaking into data science because you have domain knowledge. Um, and I always, I'll share the story really quickly. While I was at Exxon, I competed with pure, purebred PhD data scientists versus me at the time. I didn't even, I just had a, a bachelor's in chemical engineering and we'd have these data science competitions and they were obviously really smart, but I could keep up with them sometimes because they, they didn't know anything about oil. They knew nothing about oil, you know? And I knew, I knew everything I needed to know about oil. And so that gave me a huge advantage. I could just know how the, how the data and like what things actually meant. Um, they never knew if sulfur was good or bad for oil. And that's like sulfur bad for oil. That was like automatic for me. So having domain knowledge or having unrelated background, you know, you don't have a CS degree, you don't have a math degree. It's not the end of the world. It actually might be an advantage to be honest. Um, okay. We got, uh, I know we, we're almost out of time here, but we got one more question that I think would be good to ask someone like you, who is more of like in the leadership position, right? So this is Brian, fellow ExxonMobil employee turned data scientist here. 
with so much of the data science process being centered around preparing dirty data 80% of the time. Just a side note, I, I don't believe in that stat at all. I don't like any data scientists I've talked to, like most of the time, they're not spending 80% cleaning their data. But I know, I know it's like a thing that that's, that's how much time data scientists spend cleaning their data. I just don't think it's true, but okay. How do you combat the need, the need value now demand for management? I think that was a top pain point for data analytics project I was leading. So I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll generalize this in, in the data world. Mm -hmm. We want to bring value quickly, but sometimes you don't even have the data you need and it could take you a year or years to get the data. It could take you months to clean it, prep it, and then months to analyze it. How do you bring value immediately with kind of this long supply chain, slow part of, of the data? What do you think? Yeah, for, for sure. So I appreciate the question. And it's one that I've certainly grappled with myself um, over my time in the field. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is, is um, you do have to work with what you have, you know, and so um, if you only have 50% of what you need, but you can deliver something that adds value with the 50%, I think you over deliver with the, you know, the 50%, you know, you create something that would be useful and have value to your peers, business, superiors, whatever, using what you have. And then I think, you know, um, that will probably impress folks because usually folks don't know, you know, exactly what they're asking for. And so um, if you can do a really good job with what you do have, you know, and then be honest about, you know, what your needs are to meet, you know, the full scope or maybe beyond the original scope of the project, you know, I think that that's very helpful. But I think that what's really important about that, um, just from a personal perspective, is I think, um, when you're honest about it, you know, um, um, don't, don't, um, come at it from a complaining perspective, you know, come at it from, you know, Hey, here's what I'm able to do. Here's what I don't have, you know? And so because of what I don't have, I can't do this part of it, you know, but here's how we could do it, you know, and here's, um, a plan that I have over the next 12 months of how we could get there, you know, and, and by the way, we could deliver this in two months if I had a, B and C. You know, so that would be kind of my model for, you know, the question that was asked here. Totally appreciate it. Is there a perfect answer to it? No, um, it's always going to be situational. But I would say deliver what you can do really, really good at what you're delivering with what you can. And then um, come back with constructive feedback on why you can't deliver the rest of it immediately. But also offer some expertise because they may not know, you know, they yeah. just may not know. Right on how you can get there with the rest of it and give a timeline that's realistic, but then also tell them if there's things you can do to pull that timeline up, tell them what they are. You might be surprised. Sometimes they might give you what you need to make, you know, make yeah. it. Quicker. That sounds like a great time to ask for some funding, you know, like, like right. oh yeah, yeah, it sucks. It's going to take two years, but you give me X amount of dollars. I'll have it done in six months. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing is sometimes it is, it is having to, and this goes to the kind of seeking first to understand, you know, if you ask, folks, um, and I know that this doesn't work with every person, you know, but if you ask them a little bit more, um, you know, about kind of why they need it within a certain time frame or why they're asking, you know, maybe, maybe the original ask that they have is not even exactly what they were looking for. So I would always encourage you to, on top of what I just said, stay curious, you know, and really try to dig into what it is that's, that's needed, you know, um, and, and just be constructive, um, in your feedback back in terms of if you can't deliver all of it right away, what can you deliver? What could you deliver? Um, to meet the full scope of what was needed, you know, under what timeline and um, what would you need to to get there? You know, again, it doesn't, it, what's the saying where, you know, it's, um, um, you know, 
it doesn't, it, it never hurts to ask, right? Worst they can say yeah. is no, right? Yeah, exactly. And I like what you said earlier, you know, crawl, crawl, walk, run. If, yeah. if you're trying to build a data project, that's, let's say, let's go back to your car analogy, you know, that you're maybe trying to build a, you know, a Lamborghini, but it's like, okay, we'll deliver the tricycle first, you know? Right. And then, and then once the tricycle's there and it's delivering a little value, you know, soup it up and, and make it a, I don't know, a, a bicycle. And then once it's a bicycle, you know, you make it a, a Civic. And then once it's a Civic, you make it something nicer and you, you know, you build up over the years till you finally get to the point of the delivered Lamborghini. But you know, you're getting incremental value from the tricycle in, in the meantime. So, you know, start, start by crawling before you're sprinting. Right. Yep. And just remember that, you know, you were hired into the position that you're in to be an expert in that position, you know? And so, um, you're also hired because not everybody has that expertise. Right. And so, um, sometimes when folks ask for things, they just, they just don't know, you know, and so they just don't know that it's not capable. And so it's not a bad thing to always constructively, you know, explain what we can do, um, what we could do and what it's going to take to get there. Um, I know it takes a little bit of courage sometimes to do that. Um, and it's situational, you know, whether, you know, what's appropriate and what's not, but, um, you know, I think, um, I think you'd be surprised sometimes how folks respond to that. I love it. I love it. That, that's great advice. So hopefully, hopefully that helps Brian. Um, Destin, we're almost at our time limit. I want to respect your time. I got one last question for you. Yes, sir. you ready? Yeah. All right. Last question. Bucks went in tonight. We got to go with Bucks and Six. Bucks and Six. That went in tonight. So I think, I uh, think 50 year drought is over. Yeah. All right. But well, also, I, Avery, I'm also praying. I'm and, <laughs> trying to pray. Forget about the analytics and all that. It's 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 time to pray for that win. Okay. Well, if you are listening to this podcast episode <laughs> after Tuesday, July 20th, you and you like basketball, I guess you will know whether the Bucks won or not. Um, and we can make fun of Dustin or celebrate with right, him. Right, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, Dustin, thank you so much. I learned a lot about leadership principles and data and how to be, you know, a data manager and some I, I hope everyone else who is who is listening also got some awesome tips. Um, thank you so much for joining the Data Career Podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Always great talking with you. And I appreciate everything just that you're doing for the community. You know, I talked um, about the importance of being part of the analytics community. And um, you do so much. So I su- I really appreciate it. I do encourage folks, if you're listening, to follow Avery in this podcast. Um, lots of valuable information. And someone that I can attest is he is very passionate about this. And that is so, so needed. So thank you to you, too. Hey, thanks, man, for sure. And yeah. uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and throw your uh, LinkedIn profile into the show notes. So if you're listening, connect with Dustin by clicking that. And I think that's it. You got anything else, Dustin? You good? No, I don't. If you have questions, feel free to connect with me, you know, and reach out. And I'm always up for for, uh, helping folks uh, with data. So thanks again for having me. Yeah, for sure. And thanks to everyone else who was was watching live. Um, I know we had John here. We had Natish, Harpreet, Gulnar, Jason, Brian. Thank you guys for listening. And of course, uh, you can always check this out on Spotify or Apple Podcasts at the Data Career Podcast. All right, everyone. Thank you, guys. Have a great Tuesday. Yeah. See you guys. All right. Episode is over. Please, if you liked this, go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. It really helps us out and helps the podcast out. I so appreciate it if you do it. Thank you so much. 
Um, once again, Data Career Jumpstart coming out in less than 30 days. Check it out. Send it to a friend. Send it to your mom. I don't care who you send it to. Send it to someone that wants to break into data science. It's going to be an amazing program. Check it out, datacareerjumpstart.com.